Hello and welcome to the Talking Food with Bid Food podcast. I'm Joe Anglis and on the menu for this episode, we're once again talking about the top food and drink trends for 2023. Specifically for this episode, we'll be focusing on one of the key trends we outlined in our food and drink trends report this year, which is in the spirit. With this trend mostly focusing on alcohol, later on in the episode, our expert on all things booze, Matt Toe, will be joining us. He is the head of Unity Wines, Beers and Spirits, and from working in the alcohol industry for over 20 years, he has gained a fountain of knowledge on the subject. As we're talking about food and drink trends for the year, of course, that means I'll be joined by Holly Rogers, who is our Insights and Research Manager here at Bidfood. Welcome once again, Holly. Thanks, Joe. Very happy to be back on the podcast. Great to have you back. So we briefly spoke about In the Spirit Trend on our last episode together with the acclaimed chef Michael Keynes. But before we go into more detail on it, can you provide a bit of an overview of what this trend means? Yeah, of course. So the In the Spirit trend, as you've said, Joe, is all about alcoholic drinks. And one of the things we've noticed this year is that as consumers' purse strings are a lot tighter than they have been before, when they do go out for food and drinks, they want to make sure that they're really getting bang for their buck and they're getting something special, unique, um, or something that's just worth spending their money on. So as a result of that, we've seen that things have changed on the drinks front. And the trending spirits we've seen this year are rum and tequila. They're both becoming really, really popular in the out-of-home industry. The other thing we've seen become really popular is signature cocktails. So our consumer research that we did for our um, trends campaign this year revealed that around two in five people have said that if they're going out for a drink, they will almost always opt for a signature drink if there is one on a menu. So operators really benefit from having you know, their signature version of cocktails or something more unique to give consumers. And then the third thing that we're going to talk about on today's episode is mindful drinking, um, which is all about non-alcoholic alternatives. And that's because another trend that we've seen grow this year is conscious choices. A lot of people are looking to cut their alcohol consumption or just moderate it slightly. And this is like predominantly driven by the health trend and people just wanting to live more balanced lives. That's great. Thank you, Holly. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what Matt has to say about how you can bring this trend to life. So without any further delay, let's bring him onto the podcast. Welcome back. I'm glad to say that we're now joined by Matt Toe onto the podcast. Welcome, Matt, and thank you for taking the time to join us. No problems at all. So before we start asking you lots of questions on the in the spirit trend, could you share a bit about your experience within the alcohol industry and the work you do for Unity? Well, Joe, I've never known anything else as I've always worked in the alcohol industry since being a young boy. Uh, it's a superb industry. It's made up of fantastic people. Um, I absolutely love it and my job. Uh, it's never changing industry. So there's always new trends which keep us on our toes and make things really exciting. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. So as Holly mentioned in the beginning of the episode, this trend is split into those three areas, which is trending spirits, signature cocktails and non-alcohol alternatives. So we're going to start off with the trending spirits, which are research discovered being rum and tequila. So what do you think it is about these spirits in particular that's made them such a hit with consumers this year across all age groups? Well, let's start with rum, uh, as that's a category we've seen on the rise for, for a long time now. Uh, it's the oldest spirit in the world, and it's about time it took centre stage. 
The UK is now the third largest rum market uh, and it's valued around about 1.17 billion. Um, so it's huge. I believe the growth in the premium spirits market, first of all, has helped. Uh, some fantastic liquids hitting our shores with different cask finishes. And this appeals to, to a lot of whiskey drinkers um, where we're seeing some switch around in that category as well. Uh, secondly, the cocktail market plays a huge part here. Um, cocktail consumption in the UK on trade uh, was up around about 11% in 2022 versus 2021. Uh, and we know cocktails like mojitos, pina coladas and daiquiris are all growing in popularity as well, obviously all being rum-based. So that's where we're seeing a lot of the, the volume growth. Uh, and then there's tequila. Um, it's, a, it's a category that, that needs a huge amount of education. Uh, it's very misunderstood uh, in, the, in the trade. Um, and it's, it's, it's long days now of being a forfeit shot uh, have gone. Again, the cocktail market's really helped here. We're seeing tequila featuring a lot more long drinks uh, and lots of different brands coming to market, um, which is also opened up way uh, for the mezcal market too, which is very exciting. Do you think following on from that, Matt, that it means that gin, vodka and say other flavoured spirits that were really popular before are declining at all in popularity? Or do you think that they're just sort of staying where they are and rum and tequila are becoming more popular? That's a good question. Um, I think you need to think about the scale and size of the vodka market still in comparison to the others. It's still by far the biggest. It's over 30% of the spirits market. Uh, and then there's a further 17% being in things like flavoured spirits, which some will be made up of gin and some will be made, a lot of that will be made up of vodka. Um, I think these other categories like rum and tequila uh, and gin even have got a long way to go before they take the top spot. Um, I mean, the gin market does look like it's starting to level out now. Uh, there's around about 6,000 brands globally. Um, so there's certain to be some casualties as we see things start to plateau. It's been really exciting to watch the growth um, of the gin market. Uh, we're unlikely to ever go back to seeing a, a lonely bottle of Gordon's and a dusty bottle of Bombay Sapphire in the back bar. Um, I think it will be those brands that have the heritage and the USP that will stick around for a long time to come. So I guess we're in such a difficult world for operators to stand out. What would you advise them to do to ensure that they have a competitive offer that attracts customers through the doors? Uh, for me, it's three things. You, you've got to have quality, consistency and point of difference. There's no point having a wide range uh, if you can't serve them all correctly and consistently. Um, and now's more than it is ever a time to do uh, to do that and serve what you do and do it well. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, Matt. It's really interesting. Another thing we've seen on menus that is quite a trend at the moment is seasonality, big focus on seasonal produce and ingredients. With seasonality being so key for operators and for consumers, how do you think spirits um, could be utilised for both, say, winter and summer months, looking at maybe seasonal variants of drinks? I think you always need to have a theme. And I think you're absolutely right. Seasonality um, plays a big part. So having different drinks available at different times of year. Um, the one thing I would say on that point is there's a common myth that light spirits can, should be drank in the summer and dark spirits should be drank in the winter. But what we've seen with the growth in gin and rum um, recently is they've smashed those barriers down. Those two spirits on their own are very versatile spirits uh, that can be used in great cocktails any time of the year. Um, so I think it's just being careful not to... To, to, to play into those areas um, make sure that there's a theme around something absolutely but don't don't think that you've got a section dark spirits for winter and light spirits for summer that sounds great thank you matt next up we're going to be talking about signature cocktails welcome back 
when eating out, I've definitely noticed that more and more places are putting up signature cocktails onto their menu. So Matt, why do you think this has become such a go-to for consumers when they're going out? You go back a couple of decades, uh, when I first got into the, the drinks industry, um, we were a nation of sheep uh, when it came to ordering habits. So one person would go to the bar, um, they might order a lager of some description, and then the rest of the crowd would follow. Um, that's changed massively in the last couple of decades. Indiv individuality is now key. People want to stand out from the crowd. The craft beer category is, category is, is capitalised on that, um, as has the gin market and cocktails. Um, but you're right, Joe, there is a fine balance between standing out and getting value for money. So if you're going to do signature cocktails and charge that little bit more, make sure they look great, taste great and are remembered for all the right reasons. Everybody's on Instagram and social media these days and the amount of people that before they sit down for a meal, take a picture of the meal and it goes up on Instagram. Same thing for cocktails. If you're going to do something, it's got to look great. It's got to taste great. And you've got to be remembered for those for those right reasons. I guess following on from that, with the cost of living crisis causing people's wallets to tighten, do you think this will change at all, though? Um, yeah, I think it will. Uh, I think the crucial question and the one that we see so, so many venues that have tried and failed, uh, staff levels in the UK on trade have been a real challenge and, and a real strain on the industry and one that still hasn't recovered since COVID. Um, they're, they're ready-made options. Um, so we've got things like uh, Funkin' and Liberation cocktails, which come in pre-made cans or kegs, uh, which can be a great solution or stepping stone into the cocktail offering. Um, so, Matt, what advice might you give an operator that was, say, interested in putting on some signature drinks under their menu, but perhaps doesn't have as much capacity or resource um, to make bespoke cocktails? I'd keep it as simple as possible. Um, don't overcomplicate things. Um, don't have too many drinks on your menu and confuse consumers. Give them what they want. Um, there are options like ready-made options, like things like Funkin' uh, and Liberation, which if you're using the right glass and the right garnish, uh, can still be very impactful. Um, they're a great solution or stepping stone um, for, for licensees trying to get into that cocktail offering. So earlier we mentioned about seasonal opportunities, but I think there's also themed opportunities uh, definitely this year. So the King's Coronation is obviously happening in May this year, and it's uh, I think it's a big opportunity for potentially limited edition cocktails. So if you were asked by a customer what you would create for this occasion, what would you suggest and why? I'd probably offer something with a bit of British heritage, like a gin garden, perhaps. Um, I know the guys from Slingsby Gin are doing a load of stuff around the uh, King's Coronation. Um, so there'll be some great signature cocktails that you'll see coming up from those guys. So yeah, I'd, I'd have to keep it to gin, I would say. Um, and I'd maybe use something like a Slingsby. Thinking about bank holidays and kind of coming more towards the summer. Um, one thing that I've noticed really popular on menus are spritzers. Um, do you think they're going to continue being a popular choice for consumers? And do you think they're a more cost effective thing for operators to have on drinks menus or not? Holly, you're absolutely bang on. Spritzers are huge. Uh, I think they're likely to continue growing. We know that alcohol intake is something most consumers are aware of and are trying to moderate now. Um, we've talked about the low and, low and no alcohol scene for some time. Um, but there are there is a large gap between full strength cocktails uh, and mocktails, so complete zero percent. Um, and I'd say I expect that gap, that category in between, to grow significantly. Uh, the one tip uh, I would make sure is that they are, if they are offering spritzers 
or something that's sort of low as opposed to no on a menu that they're, they're putting them in a separate section so that your consumers know exactly what they're getting. That's great. Thank you. And just to wrap this section up, Matt, if you're going out to have a cocktail, what is your favourite to go to? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, it depends what day of the week is, to be honest, Joe. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, it's a huge secret, um, but I'm rather fond of whiskey. Uh, and so my favourite would probably have to be an old fashioned. I am a bit of a diva, though, uh, when it comes to old fashions. I'm quite particular. They need to be made properly. Um, and I will mention one of my colleagues, Dan Richards, who's the CDM for Scotland, makes a, an absolutely mean old fashioned. Sounds great. What about you, Holly? I'm very basic and I absolutely love having an Aperol spritz. <laughs> but yeah, it really depends what mood I'm in. That's great. Sounds good. Good choices. Uh, next up, we'll be discussing non-alcoholic alternatives. So, Matt, why do you think that it's so important that operators are fully stocked up on low and no alcoholic alternatives in today's market? Well, 33% of adult consumers are looking to remove alcohol from their diet. Uh, and there's around over 60% that are now either conscious or looking to moderate their alcohol intake. Dry January is now becoming less of a phase. It's becoming more of a changing point way of life. Um, but consumers shouldn't be penalised because of that. Um, they should have uh, choice and options. Um, and so there should be plenty of variety um, from a no and low perspective. And do you think when people are going out and they're considering non-alcoholic alternatives and drinks, I know there's often a bit of a barrier there with cost and people sort of not wanting to necessarily spend too much on a drink that maybe doesn't replicate the drinking occasion as much. Are there any drinks, brands or categories that you think work particularly well from an operator's point of view if they're looking to really elevate their non-alcoholic drinks range? If you look at it currently, the largest proportion of the no and low uh, market by far, I think it's over 94% for memory, um, but they're made up of zero and low versions of beers and ciders. So it's really those ones that have made the biggest impact so far. Almost every mainstream brand now has a low or no option. We start to see spritz cocktails and long drinks grow in popularity, um, but there's a big gap between mainstream alcoholic drinks and no alcohol. So I think you'll start seeing the growth of things like lower AB EVs like shandies, spritzers and rattlers perhaps um, and I think we've got the duty changes that are coming up in August that will determine some of this too. That's great so I guess when looking further into the future over the next few years do you think there'll be more of these ranges coming out as well? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, sales were, I think if you look at last year, sales of the no and low market were up to 255 million in the UK. Um, it's going to continue growing for some time. I can't see that trend changing. That's great. I think we'll wrap things up there. But before I do, Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast again. And I guess if we do this again, we should definitely record this somewhere where we can actually try the drinks we're talking about. Absolutely. You name the time and place, I'll be there. I don't need an excuse, Joe. <laughs> Brilliant. And thank you, Holly, for being my trusted co-host again. No problem, Joe. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm definitely keen for a cocktail tasting session next time, though. <laughs> Absolutely. If you'd like to know more about our food and drink trends for 2023, you'll find links to it all in our show notes. We'll also be recording more episodes on the different trends with experts and customers to bring them to life over the next few months. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, please make sure you follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts on to ensure you are first to hear them. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>